So we're on the subject of a hope and a future. You know, God's got a hope and a future for you. He's a good God. And, uh, and so he wants to bless your life. And today I'm going to be looking at how we look at that together um, with a mixture of, of stories and a little bit of information stuff. But to give you some headlines, I'm going to look at, at, at our church, our, our posture, our perspective, our purpose, our plan. Do you think the last one's going to end with a P? Our posture, perspective, purpose, plan, and the pathway for you, how you walk out with us. And, uh, and so let, let's just see how it goes. Here's the first thing. Our posture as a church. What kind of a church are we? I like the word adventuring. Say adventuring. adventuring. Say exploring. exploring. Say pioneering. pioneering. Turn to the person next to you and say, be a pioneering person. Come on now, I want you to enunciate a bit more. Be a pioneering person. And then wipe your glasses afterwards. <laughs> We're a pioneering church. I, I said, I think it was about 18 months ago. I said, and I just think it helps some people to realize we're a pioneering place. Because some people think, when are we going to settle? Answer, never. Uh, because there's so much to do, so many places to go. So it will always feel like we're in transition because that's the kind of place we are. Not every church feels like that, but that's who we are. We're adventurers on an adventure. And once we've taken ground, yes, some will settle there, but a lot of us will, will move on to, into the next thing that God has for us. So our posture is an adventuring one. We're a visionary place. Adventuring, pioneering, being visionary is really powerful in life. You ever seen a dog with fleas? Scratch, 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 scratched. Yeah, right? Uh, what about when a cat comes into the garden, the dog suddenly forgets it's got fleas and goes after the cat? We're the dog after the cat. If we sit around and look at each other, all our hurts will hurt more if we're not adventuring. All our problems loom larger. But when you get into the posture of adventure, you start to go, what fleas? They might still be there. They, oh, there he is. They might still be there. They might not. That's my son looking like Yoda on two planks. <laughs> um, when you start to adventure, your problems lessen. And so we feel a bit gung-ho. It's just who we are. It's the kind of place that we are. It's our posture. Get used to that and you'll understand how we are as a church. Next slide, please. The God of adventure. I love this verse. 2 Kings 18, 5 to 6. Hezekiah put his whole trust in the God of Israel. There was no king quite like him. Oh, I'd, like, I'd love it if, if God said in heaven, there's no church quite like Revive. Yabba dabba hooba. Um, there was no king quite like him, either before or after. He held fast to God, never loosened his grip, and obeyed to the letter everything God commanded Moses. And God, for his part, held fast to him through all his adventures. Oh, I like that. Say, ooh. Oh, fantastic. You can turn my fallback down a little bit, if that's okay. Just because I'm getting a little bit of feedback and stuff. And I'm, I feel... Really happy up here. The tech guys are just doing something amazing today. I feel even better than normal. So, so the right, I feel fab. Um, so the right, the right. What was the first one? The right posture. The right. We're adventurers. That's why the place feels a bit gung ho. And you're wondering. So when do we get to sit and drink tea and eat the cake and have a rest for a year? We got lives to live. I want to get to heaven and have used every bit up. 
not just on adventuring for church or for an organizational animal, but I want all of you to be fulfilled with adventures. And so this place will feel like it makes sense when you join the adventure most. So the right posture. The second one, next slide, the right perspective. So our posture is pioneering and adventuring. Our perspective is that we're a people of the presence of God. Listen to this, Ephesians 2.22. And uh, in him, you too. Turn to the person next to you say, you too. You too are being built together. Say together. Say we want to be. You, you know it. My, my jokes are so repetitive. Lord help us. You two are being built together. Together is really important if you want to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God living among us by his spirit is not just how good is the worship or, you know what I mean, what's, what are the meeting sense like? God lives in relationships. And when we allow ourselves to be built together, you can come to church but not be built together. You can attend a service, you can waft through and like the music and smile at the preaching or otherwise and still not have gone, right, I'm built here. And so calling this place home is part of what makes it truly culturally powerful to us. Because God comes and dwells in our relationships, right? Um, I love it. Someone, someone got saved at, at Christmas when they came into one of our uh, as a Christmas concert. And this person said, it was like waves hit me. It's God, God dwells among us. And we're designing not a human organization. Don't humanize the church. Don't just think, well, it's the songs, it's the preaching, it's the structure, it's the rotors, it's the project. I know all of that kind of has to happen to help us. Get our act together. And you know, if we picked ourselves up and put ourselves in another part of the world, we'd do it all different. Because yeah. in a sense, all that's culture. Yeah. But also remember this. Um, church is a little bit like this. I don't know if I've said this on a Sunday or not. You have to let me know if I have. But um, imagine that, that um, Vicky and I went to an architect and we wanted a house to be built. And we sat down with the architect and we said to the architect, right, um, and he greeted us and told us his fee, and then we got back on the chair. And, um, and he said, yeah, we'd like, it. we'd like a house, and, and it needs to be for, for myself and for my wife, Vicky, and for my six-year-old son, Zach, and for our pet giraffe. And the architect went, sorry, could you just say that again? Yeah, we'd like a house built, please. Um, West Villages, we're going up in the world, a bit posh. And um, so, um, uh, went down well. And... Uh, <laughs> For myself, my, my wife, my six-year-old son, and our pet giraffe. Um, sorry, it's the last bit that got me. Pet giraffe. Right. Okay, so you... Uh, all right. So, essentially, you want a house with a barn. No, 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 no. No, the giraffe must be able to get into every room, because it's, it's our giraffe. So, uh, every room, not just the living room. No, living room, uh, dining room, dining room, uh, bathroom. Oh, yes, family bath. The giraffe must be able to shower. With us, if necessary. Okay, it's going a bit far. But anyway, we want our giraffe to be able to get into every room. And so this house is, he's like, well, it's going to have to look really different to just a normal house for humans. Yes, because there's three of us and then there's one not like us. We are like him, but he, he's, he's not quite like us. We're, we're similar. He's part of the family, but we're actually kind of different. So let me forget the giraffe bit, it sounds a bit disrespectful, but move over to what I'm trying to say. We're building a house for God. 
And, and we're human, he's spirit, John 4. God is spirit. He's, he's different to us. But what are we building here? A divine thing where God dwells among us. So somehow our design has to be, how can we live here? But really important, we don't want to keep God out of any room. So we're building a house for God. So that's why we do certain things that go, well, that's great. I can see how it's humanly clever and necessary and it might be good sense in some cultures, but there's some things I'm always going, can God dwell in that? Will he be happy with that? Does that, does that fulfill kingdom principles? We're building a house for God. I love it when people come in and went, I felt God. Do you know there's a lot of churches where you don't feel God? Yeah. We were talking about uh, uh, small groups yesterday and Steve rather naughtily said, you know, what do you want in a connect group? And he said, well, God. And I'm like, does God not turn up to connect groups? And, he, and he, you know, well, sometimes he doesn't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I want to walk into error. I love getting you in trouble, Steve. It's, right. it's great having you on the front row, mate. No, but he's right. Because, you know, we can do things. But no, well, it's human. But is God there? We're out to build a church for God. That's our perspective. And you'll find we go after that again and again. Next slide. Our purpose. So the posture is adventure. The perspective is presence. Our purpose is inspiring revival. In 1996, I had a vision of the glory of God hitting the United Kingdom and Europe. And I've met many, many people across the world who have the same vision of God doing something in our world. And we, we're called Revive Church. It's great because it kind of clarified the vision. It means exactly the same thing as new life. But it clarifies the vision that we are, we are running after and walking in and expecting more of a great move of God that's going to sweep our nation and sweep politics and sweep media and sweep thousands into the kingdom. And we're going to see, we're going to know an era and our children will know an era because I believe I'm dreaming for generations. I want my son to think that church in a great stadium is really quite normal and people getting out of wheelchairs is really quite commonplace and people, oh Lord, let, let that be the generation if we don't quite get there let Zach's generation be the generation that goes raised from the dead no problem we do that in Sunday school around here I didn't grow up in a youth group where deaf ears opened but my son will because I know what our church is like so when the norm becomes higher, I start to go, well, what will, what will become normal to them? And normal to, from one degree of glory to another, God is up to something good. And we want to stay right on the prophetic agenda while we do a lot of things that normal church does. The core driving us is this, the expectation that God is going to do something amazing and is doing something amazing in the nations around about. So we're here to inspire that. We're not saying we've got it all, but uh, we're saying... Churches everywhere, believers everywhere, come alive to the fullness of God. That's all it means to revive. Wake up to the fullness of who God is, whether we're doing that locally uh, or, or wherever we are in the world. Just click past the next one and past the next one and find one that says the right. Oh, she's on it. You guys are amazing. The right purpose. And so our mission statement, let me just make a few comments and tell a few stories about how we're doing some of this, because stories really tell a great vision. We're inspiring global revival. And um, I was talking to, the, to some of the campus leaders yesterday. You know, we're going to have to change that soon. Because soon there'll be a place on the moon where people are holidaying. So we're going to have to become inspiring intergalactic revival. You understand that? 
And when Mars opens in, in Zach's day, we're going to have to mission to Mars, who's, you know, and all that kind of... Anyway, inspiring global revival, touching lives around the world. This year, it was great what Chris and Lynn and, and the IGO guys and girls did with helping to inspire mission. 14 nations this year. And I've just been talking to John and Helen about a mission to Uganda next year with a big crusade involved. Come on, we're here to touch the nations of the world. I get letter after letter after email about radio shows and TV programs and people healed. I get some funny ones too, but people healed and touched and blessed by God around the world. It's what we're here to do. Listen to these healing stories from the one event. This is God coming alive to people, right? Because of what we're here to do. This is what happened in the one extended bit that we did at the Holy Spirit stream. And a lot of you guys were the people praying for them. It wasn't me. Um, what have we got here? Right ear, not as good as left. Prayed, then became same. I love that. In other words, deafness gone. Prayed for a lady with hearing aids. She could then hear just as well without her hearing aids as with them. Tendon healed, tinnitus left, deaf ear healed, chest pain gone, arthritis in knee, pain gone and jumping around afterwards. Woman with knee problem, walking with crutch, healed. Woman with hip pain and shoulder pain, healed. Prayed for a guy with a knee problem, felt his knee crunch and was healed. That was a good crunch. Um, prayed for partially deaf lady, she fell to the floor and when she stood up, lumps on her back had disappeared. Wow. Partially deaf man, also healed. Girl healed of asthma. Lady healed of arthritis in ankles and toes. Could jump where she couldn't before. Another lady, a nurse, had arthritis in knees. Couldn't bend down and do her job. She was fully bending them. Something she couldn't do before she came to the meeting. Yabba dabba do, I love this. There was a lady... There was a lady who got out of a wheelchair the year before. They came to see me this year. So we got out of a wheelchair at the Holy Spirit stream last year. I'm not sure whether it was, I, I, it may have been, because you, you and Stuart got someone out of a wheelchair, didn't well, I'm sure Jesus helped you, but you know. Um, <laughs> this lady out of a wheelchair, and she was from a, a, a village, essentially a small town uh, down in Norfolk area. And every year, this little town has like a, a, a fete, you know what I mean, a festival. And it's always the church's job, one of the churches locally, to open the festival. And this year, the church that ended up doing it was the church this woman belonged to. Now, in a small village or a small market town, she was well known for going around in her wheelchair. So she stood up and opened the whole festival with her story. And told hundreds of people what God had done in her life. And everybody was like, yeah, we know you. You used to be in a wheelchair. Not anymore. Jesus healed me. Come on. Alive, alive, alive. We're here to bring life to people across the world. I had a great story the other day. I love this. Remember we talked recently about waves of greater wisdom and destiny touching our lives and God speaking to us? One of the ladies in the Gould congregation, Belinda, um, she heard that message and she was driving up to York about 10 days ago. She's driving up to York and she sees someone parked in the lay-by on the way to York. And as she drives past, God says, stop, I want you to go and talk to the person in that car. She does what all of us would have done. She drives straight past, <laughs> arguing with God as she goes. But it got so strong in the end, she said, right, I'll stop, I'll turn around. If there's still a space by her, I'll go and park next to her. She drove back, there was a space next to the car. She pulled in and stopped by the lay-by. Went up to the window, knocked on the window. It was what? Wound down. No, it was wound down. And, and there's a woman sat in the car, tears in her face. And, uh, and Belinda says, I know you don't know me, but God just told me to come and say that Jesus loves you. Yeah. And he wants you. 
and he knows what you're going through. And the woman just started to cry even more. And she said, I'm a backslidden Christian. I haven't been to church for a long time. Today is the anniversary of my father's death. And I sat here crying about it and beginning to talk to God. Then you knocked on my window and said, Jesus says he loves you. That lady's since been in touch with the church. And now, this is what they've said, because she talked to all her family about it. They said, you know what? Now, every anniversary of our father's death, we won't remember his death. We'll remember Jesus loves us. And remember the crazy lady that knocked on the window and talked to us. This is what it means to bring people to life with the presence of God. Just to inspire soul by soul, family by family, life by life. You can come out of that wheelchair. Your eyes can see again. Your heart can feel again. Dignity can return again. Churches can come alive again. We're here to inspire global revival, person by person, church by church, country by country. If we play our part, Revive Church, if we could perhaps adjust the spiritual temperature of the nation by by 1%, But imagine a thousand other churches all saying, we'll do 1%, we'll do half a percent, we'll do 2%. Imagine what the nation would be like if every raindrop realized it was part of a storm. Never feel small. If you play your part, God will do everything. He needs a million people to do their part. And then it rains on a nation. Amen. That's what we're running after. Inspiring global revival. The second one, raising extraordinary generations. I love the school and all that's going on there and all that God's doing with them. I love the work in Colombia and the the couple of thousand, 1,800 or so children that are being reached there. I contacted Dave this week and said, give me a story. Tell us what's happening. And he said, here's a great one because it's someone that's just, you know, the story's reached a bit of a conclusion. When Dave first arrived in Colombia and bought the land and set up the school over there, um, There were a few families that were dead against what he was doing. And one was this family with four daughters and a couple. And they lived in a dirt floor house with just two rooms for the six of them. And they really didn't like Dave and and Darry and what they were doing. And so they they were kind of against him. But slowly he won them over. And the girl's name, this one daughter, where did I put it? What's her name? Dianita. Isn't that nice? Say Dianita. Dianita, da, 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 da. anyway, um, this, listen to this is what we're doing person by person. Dianita's family was against what was going on, but David moves into the community and starts to revive it. Oasis of hope, the work means over there. Now, Dianita has now gone through our school, graduated from university. Uh, she's got a job at one of our schools that's paying. She hasn't graduated, actually. She's on her way to graduation. But as she's going through it, she's working in one of our preschools, being paid and supporting all of her family. Life and hope, her destiny is being set up, not just by prayer or prophecy, but by somebody going, here's education, here's a job, here's hope, here's the way to grow in God. And she's turning into this beautiful young woman with a destiny because somebody went and said, I can go and bring life revival to a place, raising extraordinary generations. The last one, transforming local communities. We want to we touch 
localities. I love that we're here on Kingswood. I, I love that a thousand people came through the fun day. I love that we've connected very, very quickly to three or four hundred families. The little angels, mother and toddler group that Vicky started in Bridlington Avenue and then brought up to Kingswood. And then it just got so rammed they were hitting fire eggs all the time. So couldn't take any more people. So then uh, Vicky did it as a volunteer, but then got Emily employed. And now Emily's running, what is it, five, six sessions every week. And we're beginning to touch lives again and again. And the conversations going on in that place are amazing. It's life in localities. It's what we're here to do. 2015, so far, well over 100 people have come to Christ. In meetings, missions, eight more last night, or Friday night, Sute. We're here to see lives come alive to Jesus. It's what we do. I love the salvations in Ghoul. I asked Steve for a story. I said, Steve Green, who's doing work in all three campuses with youth. He said, he sent me this. He's changed the name. But listen to this. David was a young man who came uh, into our youth work in Ghoul. He came along with some of his friends. He mostly came in to socialize with his friends and play on the Xbox. We got to know him and understood that he struggled at school and had no real understanding of the Christian faith. Through our weekly God slots, we explained the gospel to the whole group of young people. David responded saying that he wanted to become a Christian. We prayed with him and he accepted Jesus into his life. We have continued to support him in various things with his life and general welfare. He now attends church most weeks and praises God with a sincere heart and faith. It was fantastic to baptize him and he's now serving in church. He's also brought in a number of his friends along to the youth work who have become Christians too. They also all attend. In Ghoul right now, there's about three rows at the front of the church that are all young people newly saved. We have prayed with over 20 young people to become Christians with a Around 12 of them attending church regularly on a Sunday. We still encourage others with their faith through our weekly youth work. This is it. Transforming local communities. It's what we're here to do. Amen. So go to the next slide. So that's our purpose, inspiring revival globally, locally. What's the right plan? Let me just remind you of the four big things that we're working on at the moment. We have four big goals. Number one, that all three campuses become skilled combine harvesters. We've got to be great at reaching people, saving people, bringing them into our family and giving them a home. Amen. That's what it's all about. And very, very quickly, the next slide. Let me show you how we're doing with that. I'm going to do this so quickly because we haven't got uh, heaps of time. Just look at that top line darkness. <laughs> Essentially, our membership has gone from 468 in 2013 to 600. You didn't even get there, but to 640. From 468 to 640 currently. And there's a lot of kids not on that list. God's really growing us and we're touching lives. Amen. Um, I'm not going to do the next bit because I need PowerPoint for that. So quickly shuffle through it. Oh, there you go. Go through the next one. Go through the next one. Look at this. It's an interesting story. Um, look at that little leap. £9,000 a month. That's our monthly income. Went from just over 30 to just over 40. Go to the next slide. A couple of years ago, people started to give me words. Revive, or it was new life at that time, is like a fighter plane. And God's, you're still going to be a fighter plane, but God is completely upgrading who you are. And we went through some really interesting, very similar words, and a couple of you brought very similar words. One person said, you're stepping from an old balloon to a new balloon, as in hot air balloons, you know, and stuff like that. And it was all about rising. At the beginning of 2014, I had a dream. And it was that at the end of October, 
I just saw this plane taking off. And it was a dream, so I couldn't kind of, it's not that I enforced a vision. It's just this plane taking off. And God just said to me, it's new life. It's going to take off in October. And we had quite a tough year, really, in 2014. But, um, uh, but go to the next slide. Now, this moment here, and finances are just an indicator of something, but just listen, listen to this. That leap happened when we came to the cinema. That leap happened when we went from new life to revive. That leap happened when we had a conference in Doncaster Dome called the God of the Breakthrough. We broke through and just a little indicator of something happening in hearts. Because listen, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Something happens divine around money. Just look at that. There was a leap of, of £9,000 a month and it stayed that way ever since. Isn't that? Something spiritual broke through in late 2014. We are in a new season. It's a new day. Let's keep running after all that God has for us. Yeah, oh, it, it, go, go to that one. That was good. That was fabulous. Fantastic. Now, and look at this. This just shows some blessing, right? That's our annual income, 2013, uh, 2012, 13, just over 400,000. 2013, 14, just over 450,000. Look at the 22% leap in the last year, 2014 to 2015. Something's going on. Something's going on in our hearts and in our lives. And just give yourselves a big thank you for being obedient to God and keep walking with God, because that is incredible. That's just over 550,000 pounds that we're able to touch the world with. Let's go to the next slide. So the right plan for 2015, that all three campuses become, I've done that one, haven't I? Skill, combat harvesters. And then leadership development, the second point. Revive Academy of Leadership and the Arts. Go to the next slide. Leadership development has become the big thing for us to continue to grow. And I just want you to catch this, the thing I'm just about to say, and see where your heart and your time and your world fits into it. Revive Academy, which was our creative arts academy, still does the arts, but we've added leadership to it. So it actually is a leadership and creative academy, raising up great leaders, church leaders, worship leaders, youth leaders, and also great creative singers, artists, and stuff like that. And so there's quite a few streams in there. And this is one of the big four things that we're doing in this season is to raise people up with training. So first of all, there's a full-time ministry school with Andrew Murray. Uh, if you're interested in a year out with us, uh, get in touch. The website's here at the bottom. Evening Bible School, the Tuesday night Bible School started the other week with about 20 students. And the next enrollment point for that is in January. Have a little look at that. The online creative course. We're working with some great artists across the world. Some guys from Bethel, some guys that have been involved in, in, in the TV world in Australia. Real prophetic people, so don't think they're not Christians because I say that. And we're working to really work online to grow people in the area of creativity, which is huge. The leadership coaching, the high capacity skills coaching, the missions experience. I've already said 14 nations. Listen to this. There's currently 124 people in training streams right now in the church. If you want to grow, if you want to stretch, jump on board. There's adventure to be had. Don't go around the same mountain the rest of your life. Amen. Just jump on board because it's getting exciting. The right plan. Next slide. To plant at least one more campus. In January, we begin to do outreaches into one or two new communities. And finally, build a new building on Kingswood. Yeah, we never do. So at an approximation, uh, planning will be going in very soon. We'll begin to start to build at the beginning of next year. The hope being approximately that we'll be in the first phase of our new building this time next year. 
That's where we go. So we'll be bringing you pictures and outlines and all that very, very soon. It's all going through at the moment, but we're on to it. We've taken the big three million pound plan and basically brought it down to million pound chunks, which if you've seen our income of over half a million, you know now it's very manageable. And so we'll start here, then we'll grow it to there, and then we'll grow it to there. And we've phased it. We've taken a big steak, chopped it in three, and said, right now, put some peppercorn sauce on and enjoy it. Okay? And so the building is beginning to take off, and we'll bring you pictures of that really soon. And let's just get to the last one, the last 10 minutes. Phil, you're going to come and help me. And uh, the, the, the last few minutes of some thoughts for your own destiny. I've given you some tasters. If you want the more detailed PowerPoint, just contact Lucy, and she'll send out the PowerPoint from the AGM last week. That'll help you. Here's some thoughts for you with your pathway in life. We've looked at the posture, perspective, purpose, and plan. Just think of this for a moment. Destiny is made up of several things. Number one, it's, go to the next slide. It's made up of, firstly, your associations. Say associations. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a friend of fools suffers harm. You heard me preach on it endlessly. I want you to understand your associations make your destiny. Everyone has a river, whether they say it or you feel it. Who you hang with transforms your future for good or for bad. Everyone, a stream of living water or other water flows from them. And I, I watch it in lives as I see the joy and the faith drain from the cheeks of people keeping bad company. Bad company corrupts good character. That's a Bible verse. It's a law that can't be worked against. I want you to understand too, because I think sometimes perhaps we don't really catch this that the devil sounded kind when he tempted Eve. He sounded reasoned. It'll be good. It'll be wise. God doesn't want this, this. And I want you to understand just because someone is kind and sincere, it doesn't mean they're not sincerely wrong. Watch your associations. They become your future. I watch people struggle to stay ignited spiritually, to stay in faith, to feel peppy and with it and have hope in their heart. And I always want to go, who you're hanging with is going to drain the very life out of you. Hang around people that you walk away more excited, more connected, more rooted in the house of God, more excited about what God's doing. And you will find destiny will go well with you. Everybody say amen. amen. The second one is your explorations. Never stop learning. Dive into Revive Academy. Never stop learning. Do you know that the pioneers to America, 350 years ago or so, they got over there and uh, they, they crossed an ocean. And in the first year, they established a town. In the second year, they established a town council. In the third year, the town council wanted to build a road five miles inland. In the fourth year, the town turned against the council and said, no, we don't want to go inland. It's too dangerous. They crossed an ocean and then decided five miles inland was too dangerous. You can start pioneering and then just go, this is enough for me. I'm stopping here. You will live to the level of your explorations and your spirit of adventure. Never stop exploring your participations. I often speak on the law of activity. What you do changes your heart. If you lose your first love, God says, do what you did at first. He doesn't say, try and feel what you used to feel. He said, if you do what you do, you'll feel different. 
Our doings change our feelings. I've told the story before, so I apologize. But when Zach was little and he used to eat, he'd spill food everywhere. And, you know, there'd be rice and ketchup and all sorts. He was, he was two. He was learning to eat, uh, learning what to do with a knife and fork, which isn't that, is it? You know, but it can be sometimes. And Vicky would go, Zach, oh, for heaven's sake, I just cleaned the floor. Would you just eat, stop throwing food everywhere? And I'd be there going, Vicky, Vicky, Vicky. <laughs> just calm down. We can remop the floor. He's two. Have a little patience. <laughs> Until the day came when I'd mopped the floor. <laughs> Zach, what are you doing, Fabs? I've just cleaned the blooming floor, okay? <laughs> what you do changes how you feel. Yeah. It is a myth that I feel and therefore do. Yeah. A grown person does what is right and it changes their passions. Yeah. Use activity. What you give your time to will change how you feel in life. Yeah. Yeah. Analyze your diary yeah. and go, what should I be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Change how you feel. Change your prayer life. Yeah. You don't actually change your prayer life by going, I've got to be a better prayer. You change your prayer life by going, I've got to have something that makes my heart beat faster. Yeah. That I get excited or even better, scared about. Then I start yeah. to pray. It changes us. That one there, I've got one that's not up there, So, but we'll do reductions. You know what I've discovered in life as I get older and busier? Life's about skillful reduction. My to-do list is easy. It's my not-to-do list that's really hard. What do you cut out to keep life focused on what's most important? That's the secret of great destiny. What should we not do? What are we giving our hearts to? What relationships? What time? What, what career? And all those things are good. Leisure, all of it. Rest, God's into all of it. Plan skillfully. How will I get my life focused? You cannot in life just add. You will end up exhausted and thin. And you just go, oh, I just haven't got it in me. I come to prayer and the energy's gone. Live a life that has, often the Bible says things like, just one thing, yeah. just one thing. Yeah. Stop trying to be in 17 teams, just one thing, yeah. one thing. Reduce. I love the phrase, it's so true. I think when you get busy, not when you're doing nothing, but when you get busy, do less, do it better. Yeah. Reductions. The last one that's not on there, my final one. So your associations, your explanations, your participations, your reductions. The last one is this. Powerful for your destiny, your meditations, yeah. how you think. If you build a strong interior thought life, you're going to have a great destiny in God. The interior castle of your thoughts is how you live great. I love this verse. Guard your heart. Guard your heart for out of it will flow all the issues of life. Set a guard. Don't just be fickle or shallow with your heart. Understand. I've got to guard who I am to live life well. I don't want bitterness. I don't want over busyness. I want good influences on my heart. Guard it for out of it flow all the issues of my life. Here's a great phrase. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Because if you're anything like me, you think a lot of rubbish. And you've got to go, Cooper, shut it. I am blessed. 
I am held in God's hand. He is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's forgiven me, he's for me, not against me. Goodness and mercy chases after me all the days of my life. Trust me, my computer, just like yours, spits out a lot of other stuff and I go, that's not me, that's dumb. And I'm a lot of things, but I'm not dumb. Quiet. Your meditations. What you think will change your life. Listen to this story. One day, the genius, Thomas Edison, as a child, came home and gave a paper to his mother. He told her, my teacher gave this paper to me and told me to only give it to my mother. So he gave it to her. His mother's eyes were tearful as she read the letter out loud to her child. She read, your son is a genius. This school is too small for him and doesn't have enough good teachers for training him. Please teach him yourself. Many, many years after Edison's mother died and he was now one of the greatest inventors of the century, one day he was looking through old family things. Suddenly he saw a folded paper in the corner of a drawer in a desk. He took it and opened it up and on the paper was written, your son is mentally ill. We won't let him come to school anymore. Edison cried for hours and then he wrote in his diary, Thomas Alva Edison was an adult child, that's the word they used, was an adult child that, by a hero mother, became the genius of the century. She refused to let him think what they thought. Because your interior castle builds your future. What are you thinking that's not right? Build a strong interior. That's why we do all of this that we do to build big people that can carry revival across the world.